We're nearing the end of a series called I Believe in Science. Okay, and the whole basis of this series is that you don't have to choose between God and science. Johann Kepler said it like this. He said, God has revealed himself in two books, the book of Scripture and the book of nature. Albert Einstein said that religion and science need each other. They are complementary. We can and we should study both. God said in Hosea 4, verse 6, that my people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. I don't believe in Christians being ignorant, y'all. As they say right here, ignorant. Ignorant Christians do not help our cause, do they? Because you know what happens? People see that one person, that one who's about as sharp as a mashed potato, and they assume that we're all like that. Come on, y- y'all don't act like you don't know some ignorant people. Come on, you know, if they ever had an idea, it would die of loneliness. If brains were leather, they wouldn't have enough to saddle a June bug. <laughs> if brains were dynamite, they couldn't blow their nose. <laughs> we all have friends like that. <laughs> Bless their heart. Christians ought not to be ignorant, though. We should educate ourselves, if not for us, for those who don't know Jesus. I love what 1 Peter 3.15 says. It says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's within you. We ought to be aware and be ready to talk about these things. Can I get an amen? Sir Francis Bacon, considered to be the father of modern science and bacon, made this statement. He said, A little science is strange as a man from God. A lot of science brings him back. Week one, we talked about the universe, and we talked about how astrophysics and space-time theorems actually point to God, the Creator. We talked about how the scientific revolution was founded by people with deep faith in Jesus. And then week two, we talked about Charles Darwin, and we talked about the difference between microevolution and macroevolution. Microevolution is small changes that we observe over time. Macroevolution, this whole idea of the origin of species and a common ancestor for all living things has never been proven. The fossil record doesn't back it up. DNA doesn't back it up. In fact, it's been disproven by science a long time ago. We talked about the law of biogenesis. The law of biogenesis is not a theory. It is a scientific law, and it states that life can only come from life. Life can only come from life. A chemical reaction cannot produce a living cell. Billions of chemical reactions over billions of years cannot produce a living cell. That's science, baby. The theory of evolution really is more of a failed hypothesis than a scientific theory. In fact, when you look at how fiercely it's promoted and how savagely it's defended, it really, to me, resembles more of a conspiracy theory than a scientific theory. Many scientists today have rejected macroevolution and somehow is still in the textbook. The first part of the series, I, I started out week one and week two, and I was all nice and southern. You know what I mean? Southerners won't call you stupid, they'll just say, bless your heart. I'll pray for you. First two weeks of this series, I was, I was meek and mild, but today I'm going to take my gloves off. 
Because today I'm telling all of Darwin's dirty secrets because there's some stuff that you need to know. Whether you're an atheist and you believe in evolution or you're a Christian and you believe in the Creator, there's some things about evolution that you probably are not aware of. First thing you need to know is that Charles Darwin was one of the most racist people to ever live. Now, I know in week two, I said he was smart, but being smart doesn't make you right, and it sure doesn't make you a good person. In 1881, near the end of his life, and some of these quotes, I'm reading directly from the guy, okay? Some of these quotes are very disturbing. Just want to warn you. In 1881, near the end of his life, Charles Darwin wrote the following in a letter to his friend, William Grant. He said this, The more civilized Caucasian races have been the Turks of the struggle for existence. Looking to the world at no very distant date, what an endless number of lower races will have been eliminated by the higher civilized races to the world. Is anybody other than me disturbed by that? Charles Darwin was a radical white supremacist. Did you know that? And there's an old saying in German, Der Fisch stinkt von Kopf. The fish stinks from the head down. Okay? The point is, you cannot separate Darwin's theory from Darwin's racism because they are fundamentally connected. Let's look at the title page of his most famous work. You probably know it by the first part of the title, On the Origin of Species, but here's the whole title. It says, On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Wait a minute. You're telling me that Charles Darwin in his book on the origin of species is arguing racistly that some races are higher than other races and we teach evolution in all the schools as racist? Will we be doing that? Listen, I studied critical race theory at a liberal university long before it made the news. When I studied it, it was just called critical theory. Decades before it became popular, it is not a new idea. If you want to talk about systemic racism, when the United States mandated the teaching of evolution in public schools, they systematically instituted the most racist philosophy in modern history. The problem is that people don't take time to read the stuff Charles Darwin wrote. And I'm not talking about his letters to friends and family. I'm talking about his main scientific publications. The Origin of Species was his first and most famous book, and his second book, published in 1871, was called The Descent of Man. And in this book, he takes the theory of evolution and applies it specifically to human beings. It is the book on human Evolution. Here's a direct quote from the Descent of Man. He said, At some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace throughout the world the savage races. What's Darwin, Darwin describing as savages? These are the groups that he directly mentions. Australians, Mongolians, Africans, Indians, South Americans, Polynesians, and Eskimos. 
These savages, according to Darwin, had lower morality, lack of ability to reason, and less self-control, and naturally, given the survival of the fittest and the evolutionary process, the superior whites should conquer and colonize the savages' lands. This is undisputed. This is what he wrote. This is not his personal opinion. This is his scientific writing. This guy is being hailed a hero by our schools and our museums and our universities. I'm sorry, but where's cancel culture? Y'all tearing down statues of Christopher Columbus, but you leave this guy alone? Charles Darwin justified not slavery. He was against slavery, but he justified something somehow worse. He justified the murder and the annihilation of all non-white people. Are y'all with me on this? Are you following me so far? And he celebrated as a hero of science? Uh-uh, baby. That math don't track. That is sick. And we're teaching our kids this stuff. You better know what your kids are learning in school. You, be able, you better be able to talk with them about it. And if you can't talk with them about it, put them in another school. Don't let the spirits of this world go unchecked in your family because they will not stop speaking on their own. Your kids are bombarded day and night by voices on social media, TV, movies, friends, teachers, influencers, but are they hearing the truth? So that's the bad news, but here's the good news. Here's what I see as the biblical response to evolution. Three points. Number one, we know the source of life. Remember the law of biogenesis? Life can only come from life. Where evolution fails, God succeeds. Life can only come from life. That is what science says. Life can only come from life. John chapter 1, verse 3, talking about Jesus. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. We know the source of life. Who is that life? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only was Jesus the life in the beginning from whom all life came, but he wants to bring life to you right now. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is the source of life. You won't find it in Charles Darwin. You won't find it in evolution, atheism, Buddhism, Islam, Rastafarianism, Tom Cruise, Oprah, Dr. Oz, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Mark Zuckerberg, or Elon Musk. My Bible says, He who hath the Son hath life. And he who hath not the Son of God hath not life. There ain't nobody like Jesus to stop looking for a cheap substitute. Jesus is life. How do you respond to evolution? One, we know the source of life. Two, we know the value of humanity. This is what Darwin said about human evolution. He said, as white Europeans exterminate and replace... Did you see what he said? Exterminate and replace the world's savage races and as great apes go extinct. By the way, did you know that Darwinists 
used evolution to hunt and kill the aborigines of Australia, human beings, because they thought they were the missing link. Y'all, this is sick stuff. He said, as white Europeans exterminate and replace the world's savage races, and as great apes go extinct, the gap between civilized man and his closest evolutionary ancestor will widen. The gap will eventually be between civilized man as some ape, and some ape as low as a baboon instead of as at present, and I'm quoting Darwin, between the Negro or Australian and the gorilla. Yes, the illustrious Charles Darwin wrote those very words. He said people of color were closer to the apes than white folk. That's the lie. Here's the truth. Genesis 1.27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Listen to me this morning. Not a single human being is descended from an ape, and not a single person of any state or any status is a lower life form. All of humanity is made in the image of God and should be valued and held in honor. You are not descended from goo by way of the zoo. We are not like the animals. We are made in the image of Almighty God. And no race, no ethnicity, no skin color is superior or inferior to any other because every one of us is a reflection of the majesty and the glory of God. We know the value of humanity. Darwin didn't. Look at me in Acts 17.26. This is the Apostle Paul debating with the Greek philosophers of his day. He said this, he said, From one man he has made all nations. One man. God made all nations. So they should inhabit the whole world. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. God leveled the playing field. He made all nations from one man. We're all descended from Adam. We're all part of the Adam's family, if you will. We're all one big dysfunctional family. Whenever I fill out a form and it asks me for race, I kind of laugh because I just want to write human. Anybody else think that sometimes? As a Christian, I really hate the term race anyway because that's an evolutionary term. I hate the word race because it makes it sound like different colors of people or different species of people, and we know that's not true. We're all the same race. Jesus died for one race, the human race. That means if you go back far enough, we're all related. Come on, look at somebody near you and tell them, I'm related to you. It's awkward if you brought your girlfriend to church today. We are all related. I'm related. But seriously, there's only one race of people, and we all belong to that race, the human race. Acts 17, 26, from one man, the old man, he made all the nations. The King James Bible says it like this, God hath made of one blood all nations of men. What about skin color? Well, the way I see it in the Bible, we're all shades of the same color. This is 2 verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
So the Bible says God created us from dirt. Somewhere, I hate to break it to you, somewhere on this planet, there is a mud puddle with your skin tone. We are all just shades of one color, the color of dirt. <laughs> Let me ask you a philosophical question. What if we stop focusing on skin color? Critical race theory says the most important thing about you is the color of your skin, but is it really? After all, science says it's only skin deep. What if we stop focusing on skin color? What if we learn to see ourselves as just different shades of one color? What if instead of white, you're actually really, really like black? What if instead of black, you're just really, really dark white? <laughs> That's all about lunch today. But seriously, what if we stop focusing on skin color? What if we stop focusing on what divides us? There's probably barely a person in this room who doesn't know about the Rwandan genocide of the 1990s, when one ethnic group tried to completely destroy another. Did you know what the new government of Rwanda did after that? They removed ethnicity from all official documents. They took ethnicity off of every form, every driver's license, every passport, and every birth certificate. They said, you're not Hutu, you're not Tutsi, you're Rwanda. They removed the labels that were dividing and destroying them. They learned from the aftermath and they got rid of the labels that were tearing them apart. And I think that the United States could learn a little bit from Rwanda. Don't you? Evolution validates racism, but racism is not compatible with the Christian faith. We know the source of life, and we know the value of humanity, and we know that every human life matters to God. Someone tell somebody, you matter to God. Someone tell somebody else, you matter to God. Psalm 139, 13, for you created my inmost being. You did me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. You were created by God. He's the one who put you together. He made you the unique person that you are today. He is the one who gave you life. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. There is no such thing as a self-made man. Life is a miracle and life is a gift. And let me tell you how good God is. There are people who don't believe in God and He still gives them life. Isn't God good? Y'all wouldn't do that. But, oh, oh, they're going to do that to me? Boom, baby, you're gone. God is so good, and God is so faithful, and God is so merciful. Dante Gabriel Rossetti said this. He said, the worst moment for the atheist is when he's thankful, but he ain't got nobody to say thank you to. God is the source of life, and there are people living in sin and rebellion against God, and still he sustains them and keeps them alive. He gives them another day to live, another chance to turn to him and know him. God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Aren't you thankful for God's mercy? So how do we respond to evolution? One, we know the source of life. Two, we know the value of humanity. And three, we offer hope to humanity. Darwinism is nihilism. 
It is a helpless, hopeless, meaningless path to death. Life doesn't have to be that way. And life shouldn't be that way. There is hope in Jesus. Listen, your life is not the result of some chemical reaction or cosmic accident. It couldn't be. Jeremiah 1.5, God says, Before I knew you, before I formed you, I knew you in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 31.3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's a love that never gets canceled. A love that never expires. A love that is not circumstantial depending on how good you are and how bad you are. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. 2 Peter 3, nine says, God is not slack concerning His promise of some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One of the things about God is that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God never made hell for people anyway. Jesus said that hell was made for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to go through life without hope. God loves you and He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be free. And God offers forgiveness to all who would willingly come to Him. Yet so many people reject Him. Why do people reject God? It's one word. It's called repent. Repentance means to change directions. It means to stop living your way and start living God, God's way. And His ways are far better than our ways. And we got a lot of people this, this morning. Your testimony is you found that out the hard way. But thank God for His mercy. Living for ourselves is fun for a while, but it will lead to destruction. Living God's way means eternal life and freedom. You have a decision to make this morning. I want to ask everybody just to take take a moment, close your eyes, let's pray. I believe God is moving on people's hearts today. Today is the day of decision for somebody. You have to make a decision today. Will you believe in evolution? Will you believe in Darwin's racist theory? Will you believe that your life is an accident? Will you follow the philosophy that led Hitler to form the Holocaust? Or will you follow Jesus? I don't know about you, but that's who I'm going to follow. Will you follow Jesus, the one who gave his life so that you could be redeemed and forgiven and set free? Will you follow the one who created us, the one who says all people are equal and valuable in my sight? Will you follow the one who loves you with all of his heart and loves you this very moment? He gave his very best for you. The Bible says that God demonstrates His love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst, God gave His best for you. No matter what kind of past you've had, God is still willing and able to forgive you and give you a new life. Your past could be 50 shades of gray, but all you need is one shade of red because the blood of Jesus will wash away every one of your sins. He will make you a new creation. He will erase your past, give you a new identity, a hope, and a future in Him. Jesus said in John 6, 37, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast away. Jesus never turned anybody away who willingly came to Him. He's standing with open arms, ready to receive you this morning. The God of the universe knows you. He loves you. He's the creator of all things, and He alone can restore all things. So let Him 
restore your life today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer to help you start your journey of faith. It's just a simple prayer of surrender. Will you pray with me, Jesus? I believe in you. I know you love me. I know you paid the price to save me. Be my Savior today. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Set me free. Make me brand new. And with your help, I'll follow you the rest of my life. Amen. Whether you prayed that prayer the first time today, you've been serving Jesus for a long time, will you just stand this morning and can we worship Jesus? If you've been redeemed and set free by the blood of the Lamb, come on, lift up your voice. Let's praise Him this morning. God, we thank You. We magnify You. We praise You. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your salvation. We thank You that we don't have to live under the bondage and the fear of the systems of this world. We thank You that we don't have to live under the curse of evolution and Darwinism, but we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are children of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We thank You, Lord, that we are loved by our Creator. And Lord, help us, God, Lord, to walk in Your love and help us to show others Your love everywhere we go, that this world would know that there is hope, there is freedom, there is peace, there is joy. 